0: Hello and welcome back to the Sports Brief Podcast. Colton Hall sitting right here. Um, cards on the table. Tristan couldn't make it tonight. He's not feeling very well. And we were originally planning on having Carter Schultz on the show, um, former defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, former Northern Iowa uh, Panther. And, you know, really, uh, really unfortunate we couldn't get him on. Tristan wasn't feeling well. So we're actually rescheduling till Sunday. Uh, but for the time being, we do have Corey Foss on us. Corey, thanks again for joining me. You know, I do think that uh, this is still going to be a good night. I really needed to to get another episode out, and I'm really glad you joined me. I really do appreciate it. Um, So we got a lot of things to cover, so let's jump right into this. Um, Corey's obviously a gigantic Twins fan, as I'm more borderline, if I'm being honest. Uh, But let's kind of jump in here. The Twins play the Yanks on Friday, and there's a lot of things that need to happen in order for the Twins to come out with a win. Um, Start us off with a, a Twins and Yanks preview.
1: Uh the series you know starts Friday night at six. Um, in in New York, uh, the the first the first round the ALDS is is a five game series, so that amplifies a lot of the things, um, you know that you're either doing right, or doing wrong things that you want to do. It's it's tough in a five game series to get down, uh, you know, in a game, uh, game one and game two. Uh, so it's something that you know as the Twins, especially fighting the. Uphill battle that they are with the Yankees um, need to get off to a good start on on Friday night. Um, it'll be a, a big part of what's going to happen. Uh, you know, both the the Twins have hit 307 home runs and the the Yankees have hit 306. in <laughs> and, and so you could say that you know it's going to come down to who outslugs who. Um, but that probably will not be the case. At least it usually isn't in October baseball. It, it kind of comes down to. Um, whose pitching is clicking and whether um i think both the twins and, and the yankees are in position where starting pitching is going to be at a minimum um the, neither team really has all-star pitchers
0: like a lot of all-star pitchers
1: <clears throat> yeah the two that the twins have um that are still functioning <laughs> i guess from <laughs> from earlier in the year is, is brios and and Odorizia, um Odorizia and um so you'll have Barrios will start game one uh and, and you just kind of hope and, and pray that you can get you know five at least five five would be great five innings out of him um and and give way to the bullpen um and then you know same thing with Odorizia, i would assume game two um and then game three they're looking at probably some kind of bullpen game where you know you have the opener that goes an inning or two and, and then it just kind of goes from there but for that to really be effective you need to get some innings out of those two starters in the first two nights. Um, So they do need some big things out out of those two. You know, Barrios is is supposed to be your number one. He's supposed to be your ace, and that's wonderful to do that, Um, you know, six months out of the year. But now is when it really matters. Now is when you're going to either earn that title or or lose it, and and as difficult as a place (laughs) as New York, as Yankee Stadium is to go in October, Um, you know, I I think he... He'd like to prove that, that that he's you know can do that as as the Twins' ace.
0: You know, I think that you know I've I've said this from the beginning. I even talked to uh, I who I talked to. I think I was talking to one of my buddies uh back in college. I do believe that I believe Mr. Judge Aaron Judge is going to go off. I really do. I think he's going to come out and absolutely just annihilate people. Uh, I I just think you know we kind of talked about it earlier. You know we there is going to be a lot of uh, I think just from the lack of highlights I saw from him. And that's not necessarily saying that he didn't do anything. I just, I didn't see as many highlights as I did from like a year or two ago or whenever it was. I just think that, you know, I think it's, he's going to come alive and he's going to make people remember him. And I hate to say that as, you know, as a Twins fan, I hate to say that, but I just, I have a feeling. And sometimes I'm not wrong about these because if those of you that actually listen to the podcast, I called the Raptors in six. I will sit right here and I will, Always take credit for that. I'm not forgetting that. I called the Raptors in six, so I've got another feeling that, as much as I hate to say it, I believe Judge is going to come alive. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable in any way saying that, but I do think Judge is going to come alive, and it's going to come. It couldn't have come at a worse time for the Twins. Um, as far as Minnesota, and you know, the, you know, you mentioned it. They've Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins have hit 307 home runs this year. The Yanks have hit 306. Do you think that I, it's it's huge for them to get started? with game one. Like it's just kind of a domino effect. If you can win game one, you can kind of go on from there. You know, even if you lose game two, you still got a little bit of leeway. It's a one one you know, series. How important it is, is it in your mind to start out with the win on game Friday?
1: I think they got to take one of the first two. I, you know, to, to go back, to go back to Minneapolis, uh, down 0-2 is going to be, it's going to be a tough thing, you know, and that's why I say like five game series, everything's amplified a little bit. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of room for area. I, th- I think if they play well in game one um, and, and maybe with, you know, some of those younger guys that that they have, uh, you know, proving that they, um, they're they okay and they, they can play in October and, and, you know, they the Twins don't have that. I mean, they haven't won the division in nine years, you know, so all the guys that are playing now um, weren't there. Yep. And they weren't there. Those, you know, the Twins were swept by the Yankees in three, four, nine, and ten, and then <laughs> lost the wild card game um, in 2017 to them. So the Yankees are 13 and two over their last 15 games against the Twins. But one of the more encouraging things, uh, you know, reading a little bit about talking to some of those younger players or whatever, basically the the, the mantras so you know we it doesn't matter (laughs) we weren't there we weren't the ones playing and and (laughs) i think that's the right attitude to have whether that absolutely whether that uh happens i mean if that happens to be the case on friday night i guess we'll we'll find out whether the lights are a little too bright for him or not but i think that this team has done enough things this season and been successful in in a lot of facets of the game that i think they should have that that confidence um you know they won 101 games this year only mm-hmm. only one twins team in history has ever won more and that was 1965 team that went to the world series and lost to Sandy koufax but um <laughs> they they're they're the first like we we're saying that they're the first 100 plus win team in history not to have home field advantage in the first round so that tells you just how good this this al field is right now you know with the yankees and and i think um as much as people are maybe overlooking the Twins, I think the Yankees are getting overlooked a little bit too now because that uh, in the bright bright lights of the Astros and and everybody has them kind of pegged to breeze through it, um, because of their pitching and. You know I, I think, uh, I, I think if you get past this round, and the Yankees are Twins, and you do so, you play well and you're healthy, um, then it, it it should be a, a different story. But you can't you know you can't look and I I know the Twins aren't looking past uh, this first round. Um, but it, reading up a little bit, you know, reading some of the New York papers and stuff like that, I always like to go and see how the other cities papers are covering, you know, and, um, people in New York are, they, they, they don't have a lot of, uh, I don't know, respect or, or, or whatever. The twins are kind of the, the Yankees little stepchild or, you know, <laughs> and they don't fear anything playing the twins and, um which maybe is okay and maybe you tend to maybe you might look past some of that or whatever but i don't think um you know maybe they are a little bit more than than anything looking ahead to you know they're the astros waiting for us or and maybe you can catch them off guard and that's why i think if you come out and you play and you steal one in game one um now all of a sudden you know that you have at least two games at home Mm -hmm. and and you can go you know you don't you're not going to feel quite as much pressure or, or whatever so if they can get off to a good start. Like I said, I think you you got to take one of two. Yep. At least one of the two. Um, you know, there was, trying to think what year it was. Um, the Twins had, well, they won game one in in New York. It must have been four. And they had the Yankees on the rope in game two. And, and Joe Nathan blew a save. And uh, the Yankees came up and A-Rod hit a home run to win it. And so the Twins came back. Tied one to one and lost the next two games. Where I, I I to this day believe that if they would have won that game too, um, they would have taken out the Yankees that year. And that was actually the year that the Yankees and um, the Yankees and Red Sox played uh, that classic seven game series or whatever. And then Boone had the walk off home run in Game Seven. So if the Twins had beat the Yankees that year, like they should have probably, that series <laughs> never happens, and and you know who knows if the curse continues or, or what. But um, so yeah, that's why I think it, it is you got to go and you got to you got to get one of the first two.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, let's kind of you know let's let's kind of go, go into the next segment here. We're gonna say we're gonna stay in the same city, but we're gonna go to a different team. We're gonna talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, a lot of. Swirling a lot of things swirling around, especially with the quarterback situation Kirk Cousins. Um, I got to start off by saying that again. I've been an avid protector of Kirk Cousins. You know, I even from the moment he got in here, I knew that the offensive line wasn't going to be very good, and you know, I thought it was something. It was going to be very tough for them. I, I do have to start off by saying though that I did uh, predict that Brian O'Neill would be a really good offensive lineman for the Vikings, and he's proven, I believe, to to have been that so far. Um, but we really want to kind of focus more on the you know Kirk Cousins apologized to Adam Thielen um, because he wasn't hitting him on deep balls that you know, and Mike Zimmer wanted to establish the run so obviously the Vikings haven't been throwing the ball as much maybe that's a little bit of boiling frustration for you know Diggs and Thielen maybe they they want to get the ball which I understand you have two back to back or excuse me two guys that have a hundred catches and a thousand yards last year and now both of them are maybe unpaced maybe to get sixty to seventy catches a piece if they're if they really start to ball out and and I think. Both of them are lucky to get a thousand yards again, and I, I, I think it digs especially Thielen. I, I kind of would see, I could see a little bit more because I feel he's more of a, a solid, more number one. But Diggs, I, I just think that you know the last year was the first year that he had a thousand yards, so I think it's, I think it's warranted that the Vikings and you know Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen want are want to pass the football more, but at what cost? Because I feel like you know it, it, at some point it. Kirk Cousins is going to have to take a shot. I just think it could be a little bit too risky. But anyway, Kirk Cousins apologized to Adam Thielen for not hitting him on those deep balls. And I'm not going to lie to you. I listened to Stephen A. Smith, and um, I, I liked what he had to say, but I also disagreed with it somewhat. I think he he, it, he said that the move was weak and that he didn't think that it was, uh, you know, you, you, it's professional football. And I, I, under, I get that, and I absolutely agree with the, You know a little bit of that. But at the same time, though, yes, this is professional football. But you got to be able to say hey man i missed you on that one i'm sorry let's go back let's fix it and get better from that and that's one thing i think kirk cousins has done very well at he's always taken responsibility for what he's done like he hasn't i don't think he's ever shied away from it and, and you actually have a term that i thought was actually pretty funny go ahead and talk about what you go go, go i said he's a
1: fantastic monday morning quarterback <laughs> he, he he says all the right things in the in the press conference the day after an, an awful game and the things that fans want to hear and um you know looks good in the in the paper or or whatever but I think you get to a point where people are starting to to see that that that's not that that's more or less the case that um he he's he's not maybe he's grasping what he needs to do mentally but he he hasn't been able to do it physically yet and you know the quote that he had or whatever two weeks ago after the Packer game was that I if I keep doing this if I keep playing like this I'm not going to be a quarterback for much longer um and and as frustrated i think as as he was and fans were after the packers game um i think it's doubly frustrating now for everybody after that after the game against the bears i I think in in his you know year and a quarter with the vikings i think that was kind of a low point um watching some of that unfold you know it was most of the game the, the vikings were only down by one score um in or one score and a field goal okay. mm-hmm. but it never felt like they were in the game and yeah. never felt watching like they were in the game and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that you just didn't think that Cousins was going to be able to do what he needed to do to get yep. them into it and um you know we talk about how much a lot of that has to do with the line yes um it definitely does I, I he I think his He's getting the, the seventh uh, least amount of protection, I think, in the NFL among quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's done have, he doesn't have a lot of time, but they're not setting him up to be successful either with the schemes and things that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've read a couple articles really, uh, and I don't know. I know you you probably like Zimmer a little bit more than I do. I've never been <laughs> the biggest fan, but mm-hmm. about how he's being outcoached in a lot of these situations and not learning how to adapt um, to some of the things that they're seeing and you know this example i know we talked a couple weeks ago about um them trying to work this play action you know play action him under center or whatever play action and and you could see you could see from the first you know series two series that 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 was not going to work with all much protection he was getting he doesn't have he didn't have the time to do that under center you know and they never made that that adjustment to get him out of there Mm -hmm.
0: I I I'd actually like to see him kind of out of the out of the gun a little bit more. You know, obviously mix it up cuz I think Delvin Cook, Adrian Peterson didn't like running out of the shotgun cuz I think it required a lot of patience and being able to kind of just read the play and you not know, just let it develop and he needed six or seven yards. If you got that man six or seven yards behind the the quarterback, watch out because he was going to run somebody over. But I think The thing with Kirk Cousins is I think if you can get him the gun a little bit and kind of sling it around, I think the Vikings... I think that would kind of help that, combat that, you know, the play-action thing like you said. But... I don't think Mike Zimmer wants to kind of give it away like that because if they can't have Kirk Cousins under, under center and try to throw the football and they just, every time they try to pass it they just try to go out of the gun, it's it's obviously like, I played college football. I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't amazing, didn't go D1 or anything but even I know, you know, as a defensive end, I knew, you look at personnel, you look at packages, you look at formations, you look at everything, okay, 93%, 93% of the time, 93-7, what am I it's a radio station, 93% of the time, they run the football out of this formation on third and long, okay uh, or they pass, most likely pass on third and long out of this formation. Okay, defenses will key on that. You can't start to change up things. You know, the, something has to give. The offensive line has to play better. Garrett Bradbury, uh, I think I read an article about how he has been just awful through this first week. I think he re- received a pass blocking grade of zero. I I don't know what you got to do to pe- receive a pass blocking grade of zero, but he's not playing very well from the looks of it. And I, I – Fully came out and said, I really think this is going to help the offensive line. Kevin Stefanski, as soon as the Vikings drafted him, said that the Vikings offensive line had gotten immensely better as soon as they did it. And I was, obviously from the run game perspective, I believe it's gotten a lot better. But from what Kirk Cousins showed, he didn't have a lot of time. And it wasn't necessarily his fault. I understood it. But he had basically, I would say he had maybe one and a half seconds to throw that football. And I don't care who you are, you're not going to make that throw. Even Tom Brady, I I think he would have had a tough time throwing against it.
1: Yeah, well, if Brady got pressured like that, they'd fire the whole line and buy him a new one. <laughs> um Riley Reef has been one that's been hurt. I mean, hurting him too. And Mac just picked on him. It was just and he picks on a lot of people, but it was just silly to watch it's at points, you know, with the spin moves and things like that. You know, talking about mis- mistakes and things like that about cousins uh, on the field. I I think it maybe it's harder for fans to watch because he does so many silly things individually i think and, and the fumbling is the biggest thing i think yep. it's it's been well noted for a while now you know he got he, he fumbled the ball twice you know one of them he, he lost the, the the mac one that turned into a you know an immediate field goal they had gone into the halftime up 10 down 10 zip which isn't the end of the world you know it's not the end of the world and they got the ball back or they started the ball at the third quarter and and then you know he gets fumbles the ball and they kick a field goal to go up 13 to 10 and um it never really felt like a game again after that so it's just things like that i think that are frustrating um you know it's there's a reason that he fumbles the way that they're you know it's not just a coincidence that you watch the way that he takes care of the football or doesn't take care really? of the football you know how that isn't something that he adapts to i'm not sure um you know, because good quarterbacks, you, you, they, you watch them. If you watch them really closely in, in um, situations where they're pressured or whatever, they instinctually cover the ball then. When they yep. feel the pressure, or whatever, in some way, shape, or form, protect the football. And he, he doesn't have that instinct. It doesn't seem like it, at least, where he makes those silly mistakes. And I think that is something that is hard for the average fan to, to watch, you know, to, to lose fumbles and things like that. But at the same time, we dealt with it. Adrian Peterson for you know most of his time here too. He yeah. was infuriating to watch sometimes with the fumbling and you know probably cost him a, a shot at the Super Bowl and, and nine you know against mm-hmm. the Saints. And- I
0: would say Brett Favre kind of did that. I mean, no, I take that back. Brett, uh, Adrian Peterson fumbled what two or three times that game. So yeah, if he didn't fumble that football, you know that many times, I think the I think the Vikings and it wasn't even him. Did you? They had like eight fumbles that game. You remember that? That was awful. He
1: fumbled the one. He fumbled on the goal line. I mean, they were down to like the three-yard line at the at the very end of the first half. Mm-hmm. And scoring would have put them up. I don't remember. It was two scores that would have put them up. Yep. And You'd that get... was the big one. I mean, and there was another one on the right side that he had a nice breakaway and, a, you know, fumble. So mm-hmm. it happens. I mean, it's part of it. But, you know, at the same time, then he would break off an 80-yard run and everybody would forget about the fumble. Mm-hmm. You know, Cousins has the fumble and then... You know, overshoots his next two receivers, and and people don't forget about it. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, I here's the thing though. I think the thing with Cousins is, as much that like I just said, you can't really you know change the formation and change everything. You got to throw some things out of the gun because last year, I know last year wasn't great. I'm fully aware. I remember it. I'm an avid Vikings fan. I think you still have to kind of go back to the gun and some stuff. Like yes, obviously, maybe try to run stuff because I feel like again, Dobbin Cook can run out of the shotgun. But I think you've got to start to hook it a little more. I'm not saying throw it 40 times a game like he did last year. That was awful. If, if any time, if you're a Vikings fan and you have to have – Kirk Cousins throw the ball 40 times a game, that's not good. That means you're not running the ball at all. But now we have a running game this year, and I think Dalvin Cook is a way better back than people realized because of his injury history. I think he's a really good running back. I would say he's talent-wise, he's a top-three running back, in my opinion. I think with his breakaway speed, his strength, his cutting ability, his acceleration, I think everything, you put all those together, I think he's a top-three running back as far as talent-wise. Now, injuries are another thing, but I still believe that the Vikings offensive line has to give Kirk Cousins time. You know, and there was a couple times, even in the shot shotgun at the end there i know it was garbage time but he looked good kind of because he was in the shotgun Uh, you know what i'm sorry i shouldn't even have said that because it was garbage time yeah
1: (laughs) good for fantasy points but yeah yeah, it's garbage time um no i i think you're right um in in that we talk about going out of the shotgun it seems like a simple fix everybody's like well i'll give you more time Uh, that's not necessarily the case and i the the big you know kick for the last couple years has been the rpo stuff and you know the run pass option and, you know, so why don't they do that out of the, well, you know, Kirk Cousins is not an ath- is not athletic enough to run an, an RPO situation where people are actually going to believe that he's going to keep the football. <laughs> no, I'm so, kidding. So, <laughs> you know, that does, it's difficult. And so, you know, some running backs just don't, you know, they, they don't love running out of that shotgun set every time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think you said a little bit with Peterson, he liked having that six, seven-yard buffer to read, and he liked having a fullback. And I think Delvin Cook's kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. but um, it can be infuriating at times, uh, you know, we remember Peterson for all the amazing runs that he had, you know, and 285 yards against whatever. We remember all those things. Yeah, 296 against the Chargers. But mm-hmm. I think we forget that he had more three yard loss runs oh, than anybody yeah. in history. Oh, like, it was infuriating. It's, you know, it's kind of a, <laughs> he was not the same runner as Barry Sanders, obviously very two different styles, but mm-hmm. it, in the same way, they had more, awful runs before a great run than anybody you know sanders would lose six seven yards sometimes (laughs) on silly runs and then he'd bust off a big one so it is it's kind of a preference by running back what they what they work with well but i think yeah the rpo isn't going to work it'll it'll never work with cousins um so you have to try and figure out you know what the what's the best way to get some of these things to work and you know if, if they're gonna do this under the center kind of stuff and and hopefully get some more protection and things like that then they got to start booting him out a little bit, you know. The straight drop back, it, it, he just doesn't have time for that. You know, get him out, get him booted, get him. He, he does okay, uh, you I'll know, off wild. of his le- off of his back leg and, and things like that. But you know, you, you your two guys, Diggs and, and Thielen, you know, that's their strong suit. Their strong suit, you know, is down those those sidelines. He can throw the ball. You said he threw, you know, you would throw a forty five, you know, forty times a game last year. Forty five. Yeah. Of those forty five passes, forty one of them were three yards. Yep. you know three yards exactly. and out so you got to stretch him out a little bit I know Thielen isn't the fastest running or wide receiver running stretch of the imagination but he's a great route runner and you know you need to get him stretch him out a little bit and for as much as people are talking about Thielen now and, and him being unhappy and, and Cousins apologizing and, and this and that um, everybody's forgotten about Diggs everybody yeah. he's not even been you know people are frustrated about Thielen not getting this well I can imagine what you know what's what's going to happen if this continues with Diggs. He's a little bit more vocal, I think. He's going to be know. more vocal um, soon enough. You know, wide receivers tend to be the biggest divas on the field when it comes. You know, when when push comes to shove and they they don't get their way.
0: I.e. Antonio Brown.
1: <laughs> well, he's not the first one. I, that,
0: no, not the first one. Can definitely won't be the last. Talk
1: about Ocho Cinco or yeah. any of those guys. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, you, you know, so. How, how are you going to put yourself in a situation where you're going to get the most out of these guys? It's, you know, you have cook Thielen, and Diggs that are all right around that prime age. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a huge window in football anymore. You know, there just isn't, um, you know, you, you got these three guys that are right around there right now. Yep. Um, you know, so finding a way somehow to get, to, to use them all to their best ability. And, you know, it's the reason that, and that's why it's hard, I think, to watch, games like that where it just appears that they're not making any kind of adjustment even after halftime yep. you know i'm seeing that what doesn't work and, and trying to adjust to it mm-hmm. and you know getting the paid what they're paid or whatever it is you know those are things that you need to be able to do um you know if the average football fan can sit and scream at their tv and say why do you keep running that play why do you keep running <laughs> that play why do you keep running that play yep. uh somebody up in the booth's got to see that you know got to see that and it would be one thing if they didn't have the athletes or the players to to do some of these things. And, you know, you'd mentioned earlier or or whatever about some of the things that the Falcons are going through right now and some of their struggles. And I think there's a lot of similar um, frustration with their fan base too. And I was reading up a little bit um, in that they feel that there's so much talent there and it's being wasted right now in in that prime. You know, they went to the Super Bowl, had the biggest collapse of all time, obviously. But they have never really recovered since that, and even though they still have, you know, these guys um, that have been there since and seemingly are still in their window. So it is very frustrating for fans and anybody else that knows that you have the pieces there, you know, to make things work. It's just finding a way or getting the right people in the right places in the right system to, mm-hmm. to do those things. So... Mm-hmm.
0: And I think we kind of said about it. We talked about it. You know, the the Vikings started off two and two a couple years back, went all the way to the NFC Championship game. But if I'm being fair, I felt with that team in the 2019, there was a magic. Like I couldn't, I couldn't explain. Well, I mean, obviously Brett Favre throwing a game-winning touchdown pass against what, like three, three or four against the Forty ers Like I just felt there was a magic about that 2019 that I don't think you know, you'll ever fully recapture. And then about that 2000 and, uh, you know, two years ago, 2017 team too, defense was number one in the league, you know, obviously. And then Delvin Cook for the first four games was not looking like a rookie running back. And then, you know, uh, Case Keenum came kind of a little bit out of nowhere and in, in, in some cases because he actually – his offensive line actually I kind of did some looking up. It wasn't as good as I thought it was, but it was much improved. And, you know, if, if kind of looking at everything, I do wish – I would have lived in the moment more and kind of appreciated that time because now we're in times like these. And you know what? If I'm being honest, I, did, I don't love these times, but you know what? It's just part of being a Vikings fan. But, um, you know, I just I don't feel that same type of magic with this team. I don't feel like they've got that same type of mentality that they had a couple of years ago to be able to go 13-3 and three after starting out 2-2. Two and two.
1: Yeah, I just don't feel it. No, definitely. I think you're. I think you're right. And and once again, I think even the average fan can kind of see if you're gonna look. I think they're kind of you know polar opposites right now where the Twins are at and where the Vikings are at, and not just with on the field play, but with the kind of you know environment or atmosphere that's around them. You know, the Twins have just had. You know, they're they're. It's fun to watch that. You know, they. You can tell how much fun they're having together as a team, and how much chemistry there is, and how they support each other, and you know, next man up kind of thing. They've gone through all the injuries, but they've still fought through it. And they've just done, you know, they've just been a great group to, to, to be, you know, same thing when you watched in 2017, you got about halfway through that year in 2017 with the Vikings. And you're like, man, you know, they might have something here. And you saw that even fairly early on, I think. you kept kind of waiting for the other shooter drop with, with Keenum, but it took, it took till <laughs> <laughs> t- the NFC title game for that to happen. But, yeah. um, you know, so they don't get that feeling when you watch them though. It just, yeah. and it, I think, you know, and, and Thielen, to talk into the, the media after the game or, you know, the next day or whatever it was about, you know, I'm getting missed on some of these open looks and things like that. Um, that, that is a little bit of a red flag, I guess, when you're thinking about um, team chemistry and, and some of those things. And that's why you talk about the wide receivers being divas. Well, how many of those situations where they, where they are like that, does it tear teams or whatever apart? Yeah, that's what It, it I'm always most worried has about. a negative effect you know so and i don't you know he's a he's a minnesota boy and he's he's an outstate small town kid but at the same time he, he has he has a chip you know which a lot of all great players have some kind of chip on their shoulder but he does get into situations i mean you remember with belichick or whatever mm-hmm. Got on a the field and, last year yeah yeah you know so he does get you know he has a little bit of that that in him too um i think we just have a little bit more patience with that because he is a you know, Minnesota boy, and everybody roots for him, and mm-hmm. and rightfully so. But um, he, then the cousin's apology, which was kind of the big story today, if you're you know reading up about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that they were making probably a little bit more out of it than than was really there. Yeah, I think it was more or less just kind of conversational. He was on the podcast or whatever in his cousin's podcast, and which I've never listened to by the way. No, I don't I think I'd make either. it through it. And <laughs> <laughs> I've heard him say the same things for few years now but um yeah I think it was just some pad like hey dude I'm sorry you know I didn't really you know it wasn't a great day and I know I missed you you know there's one wide open touchdown that he missed you know he had like two steps on a guy and um whatever that's part of football but I think you know that snowballed from there really quickly and probably a little bit had to do with what Thielen had said the day before um so yeah I did you don't see it right now I think that's kind of getting back to what you were mentioning you don't see that quote-unquote magic or you know, get a really good vibe or feeling from this group and how they are with one another and and how they play with one another and support each other and, and you don't see that. Um, and that might be once again, we might be things going on in the, in the locker room mm-hmm. that are either negative or positive. Maybe they do support each other. Maybe they do have a good vibe going on in there, but they're just not conveying that, I guess, to the general public at this point in time. I think, and that's fans are, are a little bit. Um, you know your vikings fans you're already on edge (laughs) as it it is (laughs) during any given day but um yeah i I think there just isn't a whole lot of uh, positive uh thoughts right now uh, among vikings fans and and whether that is the same thing in their locker room i don't know you know Mm.
0: you know i just i i from this point on i'm just i'm hoping for the best you know i'm I'm kind of feeling like that. I I hate to say this and I'm going to knock on one because I do not want it to happen. I feel like Mike Zimmer is going to get fired because at the end of this year if this stuff continues. I'm not saying he's going to. I feel like it. And again, I get I hope I'm wrong, but I just feel like, you know, especially with the way Adam Fleming, you know, came out and talked cause, and and Stefan Diggs and and if his cousins continues to play like this, I think especially everybody's going to be like, "Oh, you know, Mike Zimmer couldn't game plan. Mike Zimmer couldn't make adjustments." Can we give a little bit of credit to this man for how good of a defensive coordinator he is? Like, yes, maybe the head coaching thing isn't his forte, okay? But can we just give a little bit of credit to how good this man was? at being a defensive coordinator like I just felt I maybe he maybe he'll get fired but I just I hope he doesn't because I have really enjoyed how good this defense has been for the last couple of years and maybe I don't know maybe he deserves it maybe the Vikings bring back another defensive coordinator I don't I don't know all I know is that I've been really I've really enjoyed watching Mike Zimmer be the head coach he's no bull crap guy he's gonna come out he's gonna do yeah he's gonna be very real with you he's gonna come out and he's just gonna do his thing um, moving forward I hope he doesn't get fired but it's just it's not looking good
1: if they if they don't I I, I'm almost certain I guess you can come back and look at it but if they don't make the playoffs this year he will be um I I don't believe he'll survive another year um just I I think you know the NFL in a lot of ways is going the similar route as as baseball is and that the new thing right now is is these young really young coaches that have a new outlook on things you know uh, you know, talking about baseball sabermetrics and all these, you know, using all these numbers and, and analytics and stuff like that. Look at Sean McVeigh, great example. Yeah, he's the best example. And then, you know, Nagy too in Chicago and, mm-hmm. and so you you'd think that maybe you're gonna catch lightning in a bottle with one of these things. And so um the twins had it happen with um Paul Molitor. You know, he won manager of the year in two thousand and seventeen and then gets fired the next year. And it wasn't because he was a bad coach he's probably one of the smartest baseball minds to ever you know walk the earth but he didn't adjust to the way you know some of the changes that were happening in the game and because he was kind of this is what's always worked you know baseball is that one sport where it is change is hard that's why you know everybody wants to well this is the way it's been done for 150 years Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and but it's it's changed so much for the better i think recently um, and I think you know the the twins bringing in Baldelli who's the youngest he's the first millennial ever to coach base in baseball head coach um which i guess could be its own joke and there's a lot of them in there about that <laughs> millennials coaching but um you know like he has like rooms for naps <laughs> like rooms to get away if you like dark rooms if there's too much stress and just stuff like that but um he yeah he's he definitely is um, from the new school and that's okay they, they've met, there's been a lot of really positive changes in baseball but i think that's why i think they'll have probably a little less i don't think patience because he's been around for since what 14 now i think 13 mm-hmm. 14 yeah um and and that's uh, you know if it's not working if, if this old old school you know it's not working anymore then let's look at the rams did look what the bears did you know um we should be able to find that too and, and whether that's the case or not i don't know but um, yeah, if, if he didn't make like the playoffs this year, I cannot see him surviving yep. at least.
0: Yep, I absolutely agree. Um, anywho, let's kind of go into this other, uh, you know, this other stuff we got kind of want to talk about. I want to talk about the vontes Perfect situation. Um, I probably spelled his name wrong here, but I don't, I don't really care. Uh, I do think that in my opinion, again, I listen to Stephen A. Smith every morning. It's kind of like my motivational get up and go every morning. Like, uh, just because I just, I like his antics. I like how he is. I like how loud he is. I, maybe I try to be like that sometimes too, but I'm also actually, I'm pretty loud myself. Like maybe you've noticed, um, you know, the whole B- Vontes Perfect situation. Here's my, my take on it. If you guys don't know, he put an unbelievably, uh, I would say a dirty hit on, uh, I think it was Jack Doyle. I think that's his name from the, from yeah. the Indianapolis Colts tight end. And, um, I'm looking at the play, and I can tell you as a, as a former defensive player, not NFL mind you, college and high school, but as a former defensive player, you know as some of my buddies who listen to this. Yeah, okay, there were sometimes I was a little wild, but I would never actually go out and try to hurt somebody. Like I, you know, obviously, you know, you get into the game and you you, see, you, you look a guy in the eye and you're, you're you're trying to intimidate him a little bit. But I don't truly, I didn't truly, I wasn't like going after his family. Like I wasn't actually like trying to hurt the man, you know, and actually cause physically physical harm necessarily um but i feel like Vontez perfect he's actually trying to hurt people like he's actually um i don't want to say attacking people but i feel like he's uh he's taking out he, it's a way for him to be able to take out his anger or maybe just something i don't know i just i feel like with the way he's playing and the way he's played in the nfls in the past is uh it's inexcusable it really is because they, they do these no helmet or these uh, can't leave with the helmet rules for a reason. They're trying to protect their players. And if you can't protect your players, if you can't protect your number one moneymaker in the NFL uh, with a guy that clearly has a problem with illegal, knowing where a legal hit is, I clearly has a problem with it you, you got to figure something out I, I agree and and the nfl has decided so far to uh, suspend him for the rest of the season and you know what i full heartedly agree because i i don't care if people say oh you can't live in the past you know what yeah you can especially if a guy's trying to come out like this and absolutely trying to hurt somebody yes that's not what football is about that's never what it's been about and that's never what it's going to be about he's going out there and i feel like he's trying to hurt people and that's inexcusable absolutely inexcusable so i think he deserves this full year subs- uh suspension i think his his lawyer or his agent that's trying to appeal it i i hope he doesn't get it bunch of malarkey i don't think he should be allowed to play in the NFL anymore
1: <laughs> i yeah I, I maybe i'll play devil's advocate i guess because i don't not not supporting anything that he did um mm-hmm. i but i i think that maybe i struggle with it a little bit being the, the full year is that um you know, there's been a lot of other situations that have been similar. I think, um, the hit was, was dirty. It re- reminded me a lot though, when I was watching the, the, the hit, um, that, uh, Joyner had on Teddy Bridgewater in in yes. 2015, remember it knocked him out cold or he was sliding and he came in with his elbow and, um, you know, Savantes so came in and, and it was tough because Doyle was coming down. I mean, he was already kind of coming down. His head was coming down and he led with the helmet, um, and you know you played football you know so you know um sometimes what people see on tv is, it's not what's happening to you live in your in your mm-hmm. face i mean things are happening very quickly and yeah. and sometimes you make poor adjustments or sometimes you, you know you think you have that extra half step or whatever it is but i you know not trying to condone anything that yeah. you did but um i i think sometimes people underestimate just how difficult it, it can be to play at that speed, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and to see everything. And the NFL does a good job now with protecting players. That That's, you know, that's the that's, a you know, a big step forward that they've made over the last probably five to ten years. Um, but I, given him a year and, and you know, then if if you watched, I don't know if you watched what OBJ happened between, back, you know, Odell and, and uh, Marlon Humphrey the other day of the, the Ravens, they kind of got into a I think uh, OBJ was blocking downfield um, yeah. and um, Humphrey or he kind of got up in the grill and almost looked like he was punching Marlon and then Humphrey turned around and kind of dragged him down in, in almost like a chokehold <laughs> um, and you know there was a flag but there was you know there's no suspensions at least there isn't right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and something like that where you see somebody dragging somebody down with a chokehold, and then you think almost Whoa. like what
0: AJ Green did to uh, Jalen Ramsey back a couple, the, maybe a couple of years ago, something like that.
1: Yeah, but you see maybe a little bit of inconsistency then, and I can see why that might be frustrating. And I would be surprised if he does if it, it does end up being the full year. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they just said full year right off the bat for the shock value, and maybe it gets knocked down to eight games or whatever. Maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but it, um, but yeah, I I think. It, 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 it's a difficult thing in, in football. It, to to You know, 2015, that happened to Teddy, um, which is as bad as I've ever seen, and, and he, that was it. You know, there wasn't any long-term suspension or anything like that. You know, has the game changed that much now in four years? Or are we, you know, are we protecting players that much more now that it wasn't you know dude gets knocked unconscious and yep. it's a 15-yard penalty and we move on with our lives except for teddy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh our, that's, that's rough that's rough so uh. i yeah i mean i guess that, that you're kind of in that that area where you, you kind of you had to make some decisions but the nfl always had a hard time being consistent mm-hmm. i think with with things whether it be off the field or on the field you know it seems like different people are held to different standards or not and so I think if you're gonna set this big, huge, you know, standard or whatever Vontez, and don't do this, or you're gonna be, you're gonna face the consequences in a major way. Um, Got to be with the next guy then too, yeah. doesn't it? You know. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: But like, at the same time, though. I feel like Odell, he's had a couple run-ins, you know. I mean, he hasn't been near the rap sheet as <laughs> Vontaze Burfect Ber- has had. And Humphreys, I don't think I've seen anything that horrible with Humphreys either. But I think I read, it was like, what, 11 or 13 different instances with Vontes Burfecht? He deserves the season, like, to take the season. I know, again, I'm probably overreacting. I'm a high-energy guy, blah, 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 blah. But listen... I understand one or two instances, you know, like Odell. He's a little bit of a drama queen. Had a little bit of drama with the net, but they made up, you know. And then you had a little bit of, you know, trouble with Josh Norman. I get all that. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that after 13 or 11 or 13 instances, or how many ever it's been, if you're in double digits, yeah, it's time to do something. I don't care. I don't care what what Casey tries to plead. I don't know if he tries to shed tears. I think something has to be done. I'll, maybe, maybe not the full season, but they you got to start looking at something and the way I, when I was looking at it, it looked very intentional to me. It looked like he was genuinely trying to hurt him. And maybe, maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I'm always, I'll always admit when I'm wrong, but the thing the, from how it looked in my seat, he was trying to hurt somebody. And that's not how you play football in my opinion. Um, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong, but I, I just think, I think you got to look at everything that, you know, that he's done in the past and just be able to infer the fact that maybe it wasn't an accident. Um, you have any other comment on that?
1: I no, I agree. I I think you know if it is something that is I I haven't watched him enough to yeah. to to see every example of, of other things. But you know if you do have a history of it, that that is a different situation. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. I I guess it's you know whether it sticks with the, the full year and this if this is a trickle down effect to to other situations that are similar and what qualifies as a similar situation and what doesn't. Yeah.
0: I just, I, I can agree. Like, what's fair is fair in the NFL. I I realize what people are saying about how you know Humphreys or Odell should you know uh, Humphrey should at least you know feel a suspension because maybe a punch isn't about as actually trying to choke someone. I get that, yeah. but at the same time, like just with what, with what, what has, like, uh, I don't know, like just the dude, like I just the player that's had this many run ins. I've watched some of his dirty hits, a lot of them actually, and uh you know then I watched him get served by Juju Smith Schuster, who I love. For not only for doing that, but just because of the, the dude that Juju is. Um, you know, I just... That was a little bit of poetic justice, but I just feel like, you know... I, I If this dude... If they come out and he gets another shot, I better not hear this dude's name for the rest of his life. This guy better not squash a flea, in my opinion. I just feel like, it, you know, 11 or 13 times too much. Anywho, let's kind of go into this last segment. Um, we got to talk about... Obviously, we kind of touched on the Vikings offense, but is it me... Or is Chase Daniels a better scheme fit for the Bears than Mitch Trubisky?
1: Um, I guess it depends on how you're gonna, uh, how you plan on moving forward, what kind of team identity you want to have. Um, you know, Daniels kind of is just he just is more of a game manager, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of methodical. You know, if you saw their drives, they were just about ball control. Um, he didn't do anything spectacular. You know, twenty-two of thirty for. 195 and a touchdown, mm-hmm. um, but it gets the job done. You know, I, I think we, the Vikings have had <laughs> cases like that where they've had quarterbacks that have just kind of held serve. You know, you, you look at t- Teddy um, in, was it 15 they lost to the Seahawks? Is that six,
0: 15? 15, yeah, wide left.
1: You know, and, and. You never
0: forget something like wide left.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, but it, it, he was more of a manager that year. He yeah. wasn't light. And I think, you know, if, if that's what they're, if they're going to lean on their amazing defense and it is mm-hmm. um he might be a better fit but i think you know in the long run trubisky you gotta he's your you know he's your future he's your golden boy or whatever and obviously he's had his struggles but he's incredibly young you know still to this point and mm-hmm. um you know i think whenever he does come back healthy it will be a no-brainer that he'll be he'll be back in there but um no you know i think a lot of vikings fans it, when they saw him go down were given a silent fist pump which which you should never do when a player gets injured but i think vikings fans then thought okay you know now we have you know this guy's you know the backup's going to come in and he's really going to struggle and we'll be able to get after him and make him have him make some mistakes and things like that Mm -hmm. um it didn't happen you know he just didn't make the mistakes and and he let his defense do do the work and um they should have had probably a lot more than 13 points yeah um you know they had a couple of 16. It was 16? it sixteen? Sixteen to six, sixteen yeah. to six. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah they should have. Had, you know, there's a couple of drives that they had that were short and they stalled and things like that. But mm. um, that I
0: I think it's kind of more a, a testament to the Vikings defense, D- despite the fact that it's been this good for five or six years now, or not even five years. Zimmer came in 2014. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I think it's kind of still a testament to how good this Vikings defense is. I still think it's a top 10 defense. I just think that. Um, They've got to get off the field like and and this was something I was watching the game And it's a good thing nobody was here at the advocate with me because I was yelling like screaming because the Vikings just couldn't stop Chase Daniels first thing Anthony Barr gets blown by by uh, uh, Tariq Cohen for a touchdown and I'm thinking Barr we just gave you a huge contract You should be able to chase that guy down Just I was I was adamant about how Barr got blown by but then I realized Trey Cohen's a really fast player, so I really wasn't that mad about that. But then it hit me. How is Chase Daniels playing this well? Like, how how is that? I know he didn't throw. He didn't throw for 400 yards. He didn't throw three touchdowns, but he did just enough for his team to win. And I think if he continues to do that, let's say, God forbid, Trubisky goes down again and the Bears have to find a way to be able to win a football game. I think they can do it with Chase Daniels. I think they can legitimately – he can take them to the playoffs. I'm not going to say that it's a cold case, Keenum, Minnesota Vikings type situation, but I think Chase Daniels is a respectable quarterback. I think he's um, – I wouldn't say he's I, – I, I still think Jacoby Brissett is doing really well in Indianapolis, but I still think that he could he could potentially take them somewhere.
1: I, I think, yeah, I mean, with the defense and stuff, i you know, if, if they're healthy – you know they were missing Akeem Hicks, and, and they were that good without him or yeah, Rogan Smith. didn't matter. <laughs> they
0: still dismantled the Vikings offensive line.
1: If their their defense is completely healthy and they're playing like they can, and Max doing you know Mac things, I think you know the Bears could probably win with Air Bud at quarterback. It doesn't really <laughs> matter who is there. I think they're going to be um, okay. But it, it is nice for them at least to know that they, you do have somebody um, there. If you need it, um, that can do it, can get the job done, can manage the game. But, you know, he's not going to throw for 400 yards and, you know, five touchdowns or anything like that. But, yep. um, yeah, when you have a defense like that, it, it's it's more or less about management, you know. And with the defense, you know, in, in 17, when the Vikings were, you know, uh, so good, um, you know, Case wasn't – he didn't ball out every game. No. It wasn't like he was – throwing three
0: um, touchdowns over three hundred yards. The defense bailed him out for most of the season, I would say. Or wouldn't bail him out, but they, they kept it easy for him. I should that's a better way of putting it.
1: Yeah, he did yeah. I think yeah, I, I we we'd probably give him a little bit more credit, I think. Okay. You know, then, um but it, he you know he played out of his mind. You gotta give him that. He but did. I think it's easier to do some of the things that he did and take some of the risks that he did. Um, when you have a defense that you know you know if i throw a pick here at their 30 yard line my, it's okay my defense is going to have me um mm-hmm. you know so you're able to do some of those things and they just worked for him you know where a lot of they aren't working anymore some of the things that he was doing mm-hmm. you know are no longer working in, in washington but um that's you, you know you can you can win in, in the NFL with with a great defense and a quarterback that that can get the job done i mean you know you don't you don't need tom brady
0: yeah, or Drew Brees, but
1: yeah, it helps. Yeah,
0: you know, I'm just, I don't know, and we're going to kind of kind of go in this last thing here and talk about the Minnesota Vikings offense. You know, what I know what I stated. I feel like the Vikings need to go in there and out of the gun, maybe toss it around a little more. Maybe, I don't know, like get in some of the face of these offensive linemen. I don't necessarily know what they need to do, <clears throat> but I think they need to. I'm, I'm not saying, again, not saying they need to throw 45 times a game. Maybe thirty times at the very most, but you got I think you gotta give Kirk Cousins a chance to establish make him, you know, obviously run the football. That's Zimmer's not gonna he's gonna die with that. He wants to run the football. But I still believe that the they both feed off each other. If you can run the ball really well, it's gonna open up some things for the pass. And if you can pass the ball well, I think it's going to spread them out and you can be able to run, I don't know, delayed draws or, you know, even play action. You can do a lot of different things if you're able to do, you know, if you'll be able to do both effectively. So I just think that it's it's imperative. That's the word I learned for the day. I'm learning a new word every day. I uh, WordPress is sending me a new word, so that's the new word I learned today. Anyway, it's imperative that the Vikings continue to be balanced. They can't run the ball. What is it like? 65% of the time they're running the football now. Most attempts they've had in, like, I think their history. And they, don't get me wrong, it's been working uh, for the most part, obviously not against the Bears all that well, but you got to find that balance. And I think that's what's huge for the Vikings offense moving forward.
1: It's frustrating, I think, for a lot of uh, fans and, and also probably players when when you don't have a quarterback then it can take some of the pressure off. Of, of your great running back, uh, how many how many Vikings quarterbacks were we infuriated with wasting Adrian Peterson's good years, right? <laughs> you know, they were – We taught, I mean, they were – every team that we played, uh, that the Vikings played, you, they put eight men in the box and dared Christian Ponder to throw the football. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Christian couldn't throw the football. That name makes, it,
0: makes me shudder a little bit. I'm not so you lie.
1: worry that you're seeing that a little bit, and I've seen – and I don't think this is fair. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to have the <laughs> – the connection that people have been putting between cousins and, and ponder I don't yeah, think. that's no that's not fair um but you saw it i mean it was like, it was kind of like watching a replay that they, you know the bears kept stacking it in the box and just daring cousins to do something and and he didn't and so until until you until you do that until you stretch it out until you make some downfield throws until you you know get outside and bootleg and things like that they're why wouldn't you stack eight in the box yeah you know absolutely. why wouldn't you stop delvin cook um, and it's the same thing and you know you hate to look back again and again but you see so many correlations between delvin cook right now and, and the great talent that he is and Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. at age 25 mm-hmm. and you know he was a world beater, though
0: like I felt like he was like, like once in a generational back to be honest
1: yeah but you, I think you get the same feeling a little bit right now I think people do with cousins that are, are we wasting his great I mean are we wasting yeah. that right now with his his you know Running backs have a sh- smaller window than anybody else in, in football, you know, when, when it comes to being healthy and being at your best. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: when you, know- you say, though, that, like, I feel like Cousins' ceiling is higher than Christian Ponder. Or, <laughs> no, Cousins' floor is higher than C- Christian Ponder's ceiling. <laughs> like, I've seen way more promising things out of Christian or uh, out of um, uh, Kurt Cousins. I think he can throw the deep ball a lot better. I think he makes better decisions. I, just, I think Kurt Cousins is a better quarterback. Now, he's not playing like it, but I still think he's a better quarterback
1: he is he definitely is but you know you can look at it um you know I know we did a couple of weeks ago brought it up too but it, it kind of needs to be said is if you're if you're really a fan and think that you know he's, he can come out of this and, and we can come out on the other side he has never played well against teams with winning records yes um, it's not a new thing it's not a, just a vikings thing a year and you know year and a quarter that it's been. Um, was, I, I might get it wrong, but it was like four and twenty-seven yeah, against teams awful. with winning records, and yeah. and that's I think that probably tells you a little bit more about almost like a personality you know trait than whether it's a physical thing or yeah. whether it's a mental thing because he has the ability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's made some throws that over you know the last year and a half or whatever where you th- you think you see the light at the end of the tunnel, like oh man, you know it, yep. those are that's something that we haven't had a quarterback that could do that for a while. And, yep. Um, but. One great throw, yeah. <laughs> every three weeks is, is <laughs> probably not going to get <laughs> it done in the wrong the long run. So,
0: oh, I I just hope, and I think Cousins needs to realize this, and the Vikings' offense does too. They don't need to do anything special. I think that defense they proved it there in Chicago, whose offense isn't amazing, and and neither and the Packers' defense is actually really good. Or offense, excuse me, is really good. Their defense is actually pretty good too, but. Their offense is really good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers the best quarterback in the league in my opinion in terms of uh well, like you said a couple weeks ago, he makes he takes really good care of the football, he's got a good arm, all that jazz. I think that the Minnesota Vikings, um or excuse me, the Green Bay Packers have a really good offense and the Vikings defense held them, you know, after the three touchdown drives, that was awful. But then they held them to 21 points for the rest of the game. I don't think that was necessarily you know you know the Packers screwing up. I think the Vikings clamped down on a little a little bit, and I think Zimmer kind of got a hold of his defense. And um, I think that's what Kirk Cousins needs to realize. Again, I'll bring this up, thus fact up, until I am in the grave. I still think that if the Vikings can't don't allow over 21 points, they can win most of their games because. All Kirk Cousins needs to do is throw a couple of good passes here and there. It doesn't need to be anything amazing. He doesn't need to be a gunslinger like he kind of was in Washington. And uh, he all he needs to do is throw a couple of maybe a deep balls, connect on a couple of deep balls, give Dalvin Cook the running back or give the ball the running back, give him the ball and let the defense do the rest. I think it's it's a pretty simple winning formula.
1: I if. Did, I think they just saw it. I think they just saw. It. I maybe they should put that on the, on the board in their in their locker as, mm-hmm. hey, we just saw what our our blueprint should be. Mm-hmm. You know, with the with the Bears, you know, one we think we have a better quarterback than Chase Daniel, and we know Dalvin Cook's better than Allen Robinson, and maybe our defense is quite isn't quite as good. But why can't we follow that blueprint? Why can't we have a quarterback that does that manages games, doesn't make mistakes? You know, uh, you know. Makes good decisions, um keeps drives going, keeps that good defense on on the uh, you know the sideline for as long as they can to give him rest, and you can't tell me that Allen Robinson's a better running back than Delvin Cook, but he was able to you know get the job done too and and do those simple things and stuff like that. So
0: isn't Allen Robinson a
1: wide receiver? Oh no, who am I talking about? Who is the running back that? They oh, uh,
0: oh, I get who you're talking. Tweet Cohen.
1: There we go, and he you know you can't tell me that <laughs> that. Uh, that Cook isn't better than he is, but that shouldn't that be the formula? I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're, yeah. that, if you're, that's how you're gonna look at it.
0: Yeah. Is it me though, or, or can't the Vikings play in the Windy City? Like, that's one thing I've really noticed. They have too. not played well there for they a have, long time. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I don't remember what the record was, but like, I think the Bears have won like the last 13 or 15 years, something like that. It's like a really big number, and I don't want to repeat it because it, I just feel like it's just I don't know, a bigger omen. But I still think. That, and I would said this. I expected the Vikings to lose because they have historically not played well in the Windy City. And then they'll come back home and maybe put it together a little bit. Maybe come out with, you got to win. Not last year. Um, did I ever tell you that story? How uh, last year at the end of the... Uh... <laughs> At the end of the season, me and my dad, we got my dad uh, Vikings tickets. First Vikings game he's ever been to. We go down to the stadium. They lose to the Bears. You know, not exactly a, you know, a great uh, – by the way, I'm 1-0 when my dad's not there. I went to the, uh, to the Detroit Lions game when they got 10 sacks and absolutely dismantled Matt Stafford and, you know, Deniel Hunter came alive. But I, I'm 1-1 with my dad there, so I think it's a little bit – I'm sorry, Dad, but I'm have to call you out on that a little bit. But, um, no, so then I saw Everson Griffin on the street. And I was like, "Oh man, this is Everson Griffin, Dad." You know, and my dad likes to say that he's the biggest Vikings fan that's ever come out of the womb. I like to wholeheartedly. Disagree. I'm like, Dad, that's Everson Griffin. Should I go talk to him? And he goes, "Who?" I'm like, "Dad, just stay here." So I go up to Everson Griffin, and I'm like, uh, "Mr. Gr- uh, Mr. Gr- I don't know why, but my voice went up like 16 octaves when I went to him. He's a big guy, you know. He had just got out, gotten out of uh, I think what it was. Uh, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, oh yeah, it, you know, he was had some mental issues. So I was like, okay. I'm really not gonna to try to make him mad because he might actually try to hurt me. So I went up there and talked to him. I was like, um, "Mr. Griffin, can I get your autograph?" And and his uh and right before that, his wife told me she's like, "I think he just wants to go home." And me being the diehard Vikings fan, I am. I tried, and he said no. I totally got it. They just lost against the Bears. They, you know, their hopes and dreams of going to the playoffs were crushed. I totally understood it, but until I meet uh, until I meet Mr. Griffin again, I'm gonna continue saying that story that he denied me one picture. Uh, it wasn't an autograph. It was a picture. I said, "Can I just have a picture, man? I just want to show you know people how much bigger you are than me, just to give people an idea." But, um, but yeah, that's the story of how I almost got a picture with Everson Griffin. But, um, but anywho, um, I think that's all we had for night. Do you want to add anything about the Vikings offense, or is that pretty much a wrap?
1: No, I think that's a wrap. I think the only other thing that we were kind of talking about was <clears throat> the, you know, oh, did the, I miss something? Well, the issue of whether is is it realistic that to. Go away from cousins. I mean, is it realistic to oh, yeah. sit cousins if this continues? And
0: I don't think you can. Like, you have twenty-eight million dollars. I don't care. Well, at the same time, I look at Zimmer as like a no-nonsense guy, and he's gonna be like, you know, we can't. Like, he's gonna be like, all right, you're not getting the job done. All right, man, man. Oh gosh, Mannion, you're up. I think he's only attempted like fifty-three career passes in the NFL. So I'm like, I don't know if they do. Who are they gonna turn to? Because I don't know if they can turn to Mannion unless he's proven something from the preseason. And I. Just looking at him, it wasn't you know amazing. He wasn't Case Keenum esque during the preseason. You know, before. Slaughter was a lot more impressive. Yeah, yeah I know.
1: And so I, I never got that. I never understood that decision or whatever. But mm-hmm. no, and, and I, I know I said the 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 article in the Star Trib today was was really interesting. Yeah. Um. And and really kind of down to earth, which is weird for the Trib, but um, <laughs> it was kind of you know straightforward. And and the question was um can you sit him at what point does it happen and and they brought up a couple of good points and and i thought that they were all pretty relative to the situation now and and one when situations you know for this to happen typically the number one reason it would happen would be an injury Mm -hmm. you know the example using you know sam bradford going down and teddy um taking over um you know, people have been yelling Teddy in the stands for a long time before he got in, but yep. um, and then obviously Bradford going down and, and Case, those are the, you know two good examples or whatever. So that's a little bit different. It, you know, there isn't an injury mm-hmm. at this point. He's been healthy for most of his career. I think I don't think he's missed a game since like fifteen. Yep. Um, next would be what's going on in New York. You know, is there a high profile rookie? You know, behind yeah. him nope. there isn't.
0: Sean Mannion. Nope.
1: He's twenty seven, and and um, <laughs> he was, you know, he, he's not this. Um, high priced rookie or anything like that so that's not a situation and then the other one would be if the season's a lost cause and you're just you know you you just had enough and, and it's way too early for that to even yeah. think about that so if you're not facing any of those three situations is there a legitimate reason to go away from him and, and I don't know if there's I don't think there's a yes answer to any of those three scenarios yeah. at this point if
0: the Vikings at some point start to have a losing record I think uh, Mike Zimmer might pull the plug I think uh, and I don't know again if he's going to go with Mannion. I don't know if maybe they'll try to sign somebody real quick, um, but I I honestly don't know. I don't think you can go away from him yet. I just and I've I've stated that openly. Um, I just I think that you know it has been rough. It has been tough to watch. But at the same time, do we want to put in another guy? You know, bring in another guy or put in Sean Mannion and you know expose him to that less than perfect Vikings offensive line. I don't think we want to do that. I think we continue down the road we're going, hope that he picks it up. And if not, we just wasted $84 million. I think that's the tough question. We got to come to a realization relatively soon. Hopefully we don't, but I think that's a question that we have to ask ourselves.
1: I think the real question that we have to ask ourselves: Are the Vikings doomed to never be able? Please don't say that. Please don't say solution successful oh. quarterback. I, it's I, it's oh. amazing. You know, you, like we. I remember a lot of people thinking, "Well, oh, finally, you know, we finally have a quarterback that's going to be here, and he's going to be steady, and he's gonna be you know franchise quarterback." How many times have we heard? term franchise quarterback over the last 25 years
0: in my lifetime alone way too many case or not case keenan christian ponder tavares jackson uh this is just off the top of my head you know i mean you've got more uh christian ponder did i already mention him i don't remember um yeah there's at least three other quarterbacks uh
1: yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember um, Culpepper. Yeah, was, I forgot about Cole That Pepper. was a big, you know, I think before he got an ugly injury too, he was kind of the, the solution the answer. Mm-hmm. He was the MVP, I think, one yeah. you know, early on, and, and that was going to be the solution. And, um, you know, ever since then, it, it's just been kind of a revolving door. And, and Favre, you know, came through, and it was just, no, it was not going to be a long-term solution. I don't think like no. anybody thought that. Um, it was just kind of – Hey, we've got some good guys. Let's not waste them right now. Let's get mm-hmm. a quarterback that knows what he's doing. But yeah, it's been—I um, don't know—they're just doomed for all eternity. So, <laughs> no. So. Uh,
0: and then t- Teddy Bridgewater, the just awful injury. Like that was—that was rough to go through. So I don't know. I just hope. Oh, I hope they don't draft a quarterback in another. And I hope they actually. I've graduated. I hope they draft another quarterback in Zimmer's time, and he proves what you just said wrong—that the Vikings aren't doomed. For the love of God, please don't say they're doomed. Um. Knocking on wood because I'm a Vikings fan. Um, anywho, um, I think that's all I had to say about it. Is that pretty much a wrap? All right. Uh, well, again, I got to thank Corbin for coming on. Obviously, all his great talking sports. Uh, you know, guy that knows his stuff, guys. Um, again, uh, remember to like and subscribe. Uh, you know, the videos. Subscribe to YouTube, uh, SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at the Sports BP. Uh, same thing for Instagram at the Sports BP. Um, next week, send in your questions um, at uh, the BP at Yahoo.com. We'll be happy to answer those. Uh, again, son, join us Sunday with Tristan and former Minnesota Vikings defensive end Carter Schultz to ask him a couple of questions. So, at the end of the day, thank you all for joining us.